This is the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey is more than a game. It's a lifestyle. It's you, the diehard supportive fans, your favorite players who are on the team you cheer for and the organization who supports them. The companies that make your gear, bags, and beer league sweaters, the hockey moms and hockey dads, and everything else that makes this House of Hockey your home. Come on in. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. And And this this is is our our house. house. Welcome to the House of Hockey podcast. This is episode 92. We're still keeping track for you. My name is Ray Ray. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm your other host, Breezy. And we have a guest this week. Uh, Jam-packed. We're going to keep our uh, pre-show really short. uh, We're having a sip of coffee here. Um, Yeah. Awesome Kind of like our guest in the NHL. He had a cup of coffee there. That is true. That is true. Yeah, our guest, Sean McMorrow, a.k.a. The Sheriff. So he uh, he has quite the story, and he goes through it. Um, he goes through it all. It was super interesting to hear it. You can read on him if you were to just pause this and do a little quick read on him. Um, he played all over the place. He got himself, I don't necessarily know if he got himself into some trouble, but there was some trouble that had followed him a little bit. He touches on that. He touches on life. And by trouble, we mean he he went to prison. So yeah, big, big trouble. The kind of trouble you don't want to find yourself in. True. Yes. But uh, with every uh, bad situation, I think comes a good situation. And he has definitely grown from it. Um, and he's doing good things for himself. And so you're going to hear all about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Sean, from what we heard and if you look up his story like you were saying he was a good guy he won like a community award and is always giving back and the way he decided to approach the really unfortunate lawsuit and charges that he was facing and the jail time uh is really an inspiring story along with his time in the league and what happened when he got out of prison and he still was able to play hockey. And I think it's one of those stories that will hopefully leave you feeling, feeling good and inspired at the end, because it's a, it's got a pretty good ending because he's still here and he's doing podcasts and is, you know, uh, living a good life. Yeah. And, you know, taking uh, what he, used to do prior to prison and really amping that up. I mean, like you said, he community service and was just a stand-up guy. And now he's brought that kind of full circle again and learning from certain things and really being a, a motivational speaker uh, as, as he will go into that. Uh, and he's been super inspiring and he, he said some things to us. And I think both you and I have, have taken that away and have thought about it and, um, it was really, really awesome to, to talk to Sean. And um, it, it was quite the honor, actually. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. We'll read you a couple of his stats because we didn't really get into too much of it um, in the interview. We did some, but I figured I'll just read some of this and Breezy, you can read the rest of it. Um, 
but he spent um, a lot of his time playing in the LNAH, which is the League of North American Hockey, but it's in French. And it's not necessarily known for, I, and I'm not going to try because I tried to speak French in the episode. You'll hear it's horrible. But so he's not known, the league is not known for its skill level. It's mostly enforcers. It has a reputation for some on ice antics, which is very, you know, different for, for a league. It's a different style of play that Sean will talk about. And uh, it's known as the toughest hockey league and it averages 3.2 fights a game. <laughs> yeah. So Sean played one game with the Sabres against the Leafs. So he was drafted by the Sabres. Uh, he played for the Chicago Wolves of the AHL prior to signing uh, with the LNAH. Uh, and then ended up playing overseas uh, with the Belfast Giants of the EIHL and then played for the expansion team for the Dundee Stars. Those E-I-A-H-E-Q-C teams. You nailed really it. <laughs> you nailed it. I think what I found most fascinating about our conversation with Sean was about the Belfast Giants and what Northern Ireland hockey, right? Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the reason that team is so impactful on the community in Ireland is something that I had not thought of. And I don't think we've ha- heard here while we have talked to people, you know, in Ireland, in the UK about hockey, uh, the way Sean talks about it and explains it is so eye-opening and incredible to see that the sport of hockey can bridge decades long, centuries long of, of fighting between a country. So uh, I think you'll enjoy that part too. Guys, my name is Sean McMorrow, AKA The Sheriff. Recently I've started a new sports hockey podcast called The Sheriff Podcast. But more importantly, I'm from a wonderful family from Toronto, born in Vancouver, raised in Scarborough, and I'm here to make some noise. My dream is to be a public speaker and sports broadcaster and big personality on TV. Very nice to meet you. That might might be the best (laughs) guest intro we've ever had, Breezy. I know. I feel like we just need to send him like all of our intros and then he could just do them and then send them back to us. <laughs> Hype everybody up real big. Exactly. <laughs> That's gotta... what I had to do with my hockey teams, guys. I had to try to motivate. I was the team team cheerleader, team tough guy. I had a whole bunch of titles. Okay. Team motivator. I mean, there's so much to start with and I didn't mean to jump, jump you breezy, but let's start with just like the sheriff. What is that about? What's that? That's a nickname, clearly. Um, yep. And you were telling us a little bit before we hit record about your family all has nicknames, but you're the sheriff. How did you get that name? Okay, so the first time that I was given that name, the first time I heard it was one of my owners in this league, the professional hockey league in Quebec, Canada. Okay. And the owner said to me, he had a French accent. He's like, from now on, we call you Le Sheriff, which is the sheriff in French, right? And so that so that was when it was first born. But guys, honestly, it didn't really start becoming big and noticeable until I played for the Belfast Giants. They asked me what my nickname was. I told them it was the sheriff. They really promoted it. They This is actually the design of the t-shirt that they made 
Belfast Giants made with me when I was there. This is back in 2010, 2011. And, and yeah, so Belfast, it, it blew up. We were selling these t-shirts. Uh, we were selling little badges. Um, so even if I wasn't your favorite player, you could at least put my, my pin on your jersey and, you know, and, and still support the sheriff mentality. And, and pretty much what it is, is it's a guy that patrols the ice for his team, takes care of business and sticks up for his teammates. Exactly. I love that. Um, I like the French version of it, Le Sheriff. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. That's so what my close, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's what my close friends will say. They'll say Le Sheriff because they know it started in Quebec, right? So if you ever hear someone say Le Sheriff, they're really, really close to me. That's cool. We've <laughs> talked to a couple of people in Scotland and Ireland. Breezy, who is the friend? Which team does he play for? Tristan Harper, Tristan Cameron Harper. Oh yeah, the 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 international model. The international model. That guy's uh, some some people might be triple threats. That guy's like a ten times threat, man. He does a lot of stuff. Plays professional hockey. He's like an actor. He's like a model. He's he does all this all this extracurricular stuff. Really yeah, cool yeah. dude. And he's like a mountain man. He can live off the land. He does like these right? things. You're just like, what? And he's like telling you about these flowers and how you can eat them. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Medicinal <Yeah>. flowers or? <laughs> <laughs> I you think know? survival. <laughs> Maybe okay, survival. yeah. Just to interrupt you real quick. Now, I haven't seen Tristan in 10 years, so I couldn't even imagine what he's up to now. I'm talking about Tristan probably when he was in his early 20s. I think he's probably in his early 30s now, right? Because this is, uh, Scotland for me was 2011, right? Okay. 10 years ago. Yeah, really cool kid though. I'm sure he's grown up really nicely. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice guy. We chat uh, just via internet, Instagram and whatnot. Uh, I worked for a company and, and we were chatting with him. That's kind of how we got to know each other. So uh, we keep in contact. He's a good guy. Uh, yeah. Super funny. Um, but yeah. Breezy's like, I'm trying to get him to come on, but he's in the mountains again. So I like can't, I don't know where he is. So it's like, you know. It's that's true. really interesting. He's up to that now. Anyway, yeah. that's our connection to what that is. And we also know um, one of the girls who plays in the leagues over there too. So we've heard a little bit about the hockey over there, but what was your experience like playing for, for the Belfast Giants? Well, I mean, that's such a great question because it just brings up like really, really good memories. Um, first off, it was the funnest time of my life. Okay. First time that I've lived um, outside of North America, you know, like obviously I, I played in the States for six years, but um, this was overseas, you know, Canada and the U.S. are so similar. It's not really like moving away, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I just, I was so proud to play for that team because I have ancestry from there. Like I may not look like it, but I'm half Irish, you know, hence the Sean McMorrow name, right? And, you know, I, um, I was very proud to play over there and it was just, everything worked out. I got a lot of support and I just had a wonderful time overall. And so you obviously have a lot of history that had, that had happened over there. Uh, can you kind of jump into that and kind of, um, cause I believe you started getting more of your name in the sheriff while you were over there, as you've already mentioned, but, uh, primarily we did a little read on you primarily when you got into, um, a little uh, I don't know how you would call it 
what do you, uh, how, how would you describe it? Um, are you are you describing like uh, the the legal stuff with me or the history of Ireland? The <laughs> I just sorry. I think the illegal stuff, the illegal, the illegal stuff. stuff, the law, the things with the law. Yeah, the things. Yes. With the okay. Law. So so that that that's the same the same time frame of when, of when that came up and and what it was, guys, is is I actually. Um, you see me smiling right now, but it took me a long time to be able to talk about this. Um, it, it was it was a devastating thing that happened. I was indicted in a marijuana conspiracy conspiracy case based in Rochester, New York, um, right at the end of the season in 2010 when I was playing for the Belfast Giants. Um, I was told by a very high-priced and prominent lawyer that it was in my best interest to voluntarily come in to face the charges that it was pretty much like a publicity stunt. And that if I came in, that I'd be able to get bail right away with no restrictions and no conditions and that he would be able to sort this thing out. And that eventually, you know, although it may be embarrassing, we'll get thrown out. And he's like, you know, sometimes guys have to go through this. You know, don't worry. They don't. This is just a publicity stunt. So, so on and so forth. So I ended up coming back, listening to my lawyer um, and pretty much guys, the way that the legal system works is that if you involve yourself in the wrong crowd, sometimes you can get caught up in a conspiracy case. Cause what they'll do is they'll, they'll catch one person that's involved and then they'll say, you know what, if you want to get out of this, you got to tell, tell us something. So in my case, it was a couple friends that I had had and talked to them in years. And pretty much what they said is that whatever they were doing that an NHL player was their boss and it was me, right? And they were willing to tell them about it if they could get off their charges. And that's what happened with me. So I made the mistake with being involved with the wrong people. When I when I lived in Rochester, New York, I had a lot of different groups of friends and a lot of circles. And, you know, I was the man of the year for community service that I won twice out of the four years that I played there, right? And I was very proud of that award. So you look at it from 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 the law enforcement's view you know they have an opportunity to to be in the paper every day to have the man of the year for community service and let's make it a little bit more interesting a black hockey player you know that's being said that he's being involved with a with a drug conspiracy it was marijuana but a, but a drug conspiracy is the title and you know and it's and they jumped all over it they jumped all over it and unfortunately it was it was to my expense right so what did I learn from it? I, I learned a lot. Um, I had to go through a situation where I was told that if I pled guilty, that I'd be receiving a probation sentence. Um, and the outcome of that with, you know, 25 family members in the courtroom, you know, another 20 of my fiance's family who was from Rochester, New York in the courtroom, um, a big party planned in Toronto, Canada, where I'm from for that evening, because everyone was expecting it to be a probation sentence. And then, you know, there was a bomb dropped um, saying that there was a sentence of uh, 24 months. So when I first heard that, the first thing I, I thought of was, you know, 24 months is two years. Yeah. You know? And uh, I almost passed straight out. And And the unfortunate thing is, is that most people in my situation that are involved in conspiracy cases, if they know they're going to receive a little bit of time, um, what their lawyers will do is they'll negotiate a self-surrender where even if they are, you know, uh, like sentenced to amount of time, 
you know, because it's their first time offender with no weapons and, and no violence in the case, they're allowed to kind of get their affairs together. They get about 30 days to do that. Their families are allowed to drive them to the facility. You know, you're actually able to prepare mentally, maybe see a counselor, you know, like this is, you know, you know something that you got involved with, you got to deal with it. You know, you got to deal with it, you know, the best way. And, and um, I wasn't able to do that. It was a complete shock. And then it was like, see you later, Sheriff, in the, in the county sheriff's car. Right. So it was, it was, it was, it was really, it was, it was shocking. It was, it was unfair. It was surprising. There's so many words that you could use for it. Right. Um, lucky thing for me is I had incredible support from my family. Um, my hockey team that I was currently played for um, kept, in, kept in close contact with me where I was able to make a comeback right after I was done um, having to be having to deal with that. And, um, and yeah, I just supports the biggest thing. I made the best of the time while I was in there. Um, I thought while I'm here, I might as well try to improve myself, you know? So I was a major junior player, um, which is, you know, in Canada, you either take the, the division one route, like my brother did for basketball, or you play major junior, which is kind of like a semi-professional league for 16 to 21 year olds. And a lot of the guys, they don't finish their high school because they turn pro and that's what happened with me. I never finished my high school. I was two credits short, figured I'd get it online, never ended up getting it, but I sure got it when I, when I went to Moshannon Valley Correction Center, you know, I, I got my GED and then I ended up teaching the GED and then I ended up teaching an exercise class. Um, I ended up uh, taking a bunch of business courses, really figuring out what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, took a really interesting class called Paradigm Thinking which is a class where you learn your true values, living in the here and now, um, what the true meaning of success is. You know, so I, I really feel that I made the best of that time and I learned a lot. And now that I'm trying to be this big public person that I am, I have a great story to tell. And I have a really strong message for the young ones when I do my public appearances for the public speaking. That was a very long answer, so I apologize. No, no. that's a long, it's a, it's a long, you've got a big story to tell. You know, it's definitely an unfortunate thing that had happened, but at, at the same time, it almost seems like it was kind of a blessing in disguise for you because it really helped you kind of go into this other part of your life, which is really cool. And you obviously have a really good story and you've been uh, an inspiration to so many and are going to continue to inspire so many people too. And uh, it's just an unfortunate circumstance, but at the end of it, I think you really did come out on top and, and a good person, a better person. And uh, not to mention you were a great person going into it with all of your, you know, community service and everything that you have already done. So, uh, incredible story that you definitely have there for sure. I appreciate that Breezy. And, and, and the thing is Breezy is it, it's a lot of what you said is true, but now here's the problem. The problem is, is yes, I do have a great story. The problem is, yeah, I love all the stuff I did in the AHL doing all those appearances. I love talking in front of crowds. I was just kind of kind of groomed to be this public speaker, motivational speaker guy now, right? Had my downfall that I got through. I'm a professional athlete, so I resonate with people. They, they want to, you know what I mean? Like, like I've been told all this, right? The only problem is, is that it's a long road to get in there because of what happened too. A lot of people don't really want to mess with you because you got in trouble and they'd rather, you know, listen to a Harlem Globetrotter that didn't get in trouble than a hockey player that you know got in trouble and now wants to talk about it. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. I still haven't really got to where I want to be, like as far as what we're talking about. 
I'm so passionate about it and I'm having so much fun doing my podcast preparing for it that, that I'm I'm just riding the crest of the wave right now. Yeah. Do you think that um, the arrest and all of that had a direct impact on the like your career playing hockey after? I mean, I know you said you were able to get out you, when you got out, you played, but do you think that put like a big, like a don't, you know, let's not bring Sean into this team or let's not bring him up to this league. Was that sort of your experience or no? 1,000%. And, yeah. and the, the reason why is, first off, um, I'm a Canadian citizen. And right now, I'm not allowed to cross the border. Oh. Right? So even if even if I wanted to play in the ECHL, even if I wanted to play in the AHL, I'm not allowed to. Right? So, so that, that's one. Second, the, um, the FBI notified the Buffalo Sabres said that they were investigating one of their players. I found that out a couple of years later. And they really, if there's any possible way for someone, for, for an institution or whatever to mess with somebody, they did with me. <laughs> they really did. You know what I mean? And like, I, I, have, to, I have to own mistakes that I made in my life. I definitely didn't deserve that. And no. I, um, I was targeted for reasons that, you know, only they can explain. And, you know, what the cliche is, is it doesn't really matter how hard you fall. It's just how you bounce back up. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's motivating and stuff. I wish I didn't have to go through all that, but like it, it, the, the measure of character is really how you react to bad things. So I'm just going to have to do my best and, you know, eventually, if I'm going along the right path, I am gonna feel content in my life 100% and I know I will. This week's episode of the House of Hockey podcast is brought to you by football fans. I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, that's THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There are people who play professional sports. I mean, there's football players, there's basketball players. I mean, there's even baseball players who have gotten themselves into a lot of trouble, but it seems to be overlooked and they're still able to play. Yeah. Um, do you think because hockey still isn't measured up to those other 
professional leagues um, that it is treated differently? And and why do you think hockey is looked down on as like a number four on the list compared to football, baseball, and basketball? Well, I mean, football, I'll answer the last question first because it's precious. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so football, basketball, and baseball, I mean, that's America's pastime, right? If you're not, I mean, baseball, I mean, I mean the NFL, nothing will ever beat the NFL. They're the biggest money powerhouse. Right. Baseball is, is supposed to be known as America's pastime, right? So, and then basketball, it's just so easy, accessible to be able to play it. Like it's, you can, anybody can play it. You just got to find a ball and you can use anything as a hoop as we've seen a lot of examples over our course of our lives, right? Where hockey is, is harder to access. Hockey is more expensive. Hockey is not available in certain areas. So that's what hockey is trying to do now where there's programs like, like, like hockey equality. Um, every kid should put, be able to play. Um, these are programs that are, that are in Canada. Um, they're, they're really trying to get, you know, kids not only from the inner cities, but just kids that are, are from different countries and that move to Canada and the States. And, and maybe they've never seen hockey before and they, and they, they should be able to get introduced to it just like any other kid should. Right. So the reason is, is that hockey is not accessible as with other three sports um, in Canada. It's different because, you know, our hockey is your baseball, you know what I mean? But, but like, as far as people getting the second chances and stuff, it all depends if you're in that sweet US of A guys, like if you're American and you're in the States and you get in trouble, you could still play because you don't have to cross any borders. You know what I mean? Like, unless it's basketball and you have to go and play the Raptors and you know, that's only one team, right? Like, or baseball, the Blue Jays, like only one team, every team's in the state. So that's the difference. Like if I was American, then I probably would be playing in the last 10 years in the East coast or AHL. You know what I mean? Cause I would like, you know, the team would have to whatever, like I'd figure it out. Right. But it'd be, it'd be more realistic than me being in Canada, not being able to cross the border, not being able to participate against any of those American teams. It's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But that league in Quebec though, that's why I was playing in that league. Like that league in Quebec, the teams were all just in Canada, right? So I was able to play there, had, had, had a lot of fun, you know, met a lot of great people. And I was really happy to be able to play for that team that I ended up coming back to after that incident. The L-N-A-H? How do you yeah, say the it? League, in North America Hockey, like it's in French, right? So it's the L-N-A-H, yeah. The North American Hockey League in, in English. I have the, they laugh at me. They laugh at me there because I have such, to them, I have the biggest English accent, right? <laughs> so to them, it's like hearing, when we hear like a really deep guy from France talk and he's like, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's how they're hearing it when I talk. So they just laugh when I try to talk French. They appreciate that I'm trying, but it, it makes everybody laugh seeing a big guy with yeah. a weird accent trying to speak their language, right? How long did you end up playing in that league then after you, your return from your vacation? Okay, so I played, I played two more seasons and then I ended up, you know, retiring and I made a comeback and played another year. Nice. Nice. Oh, because yeah. they kept calling and saying, do you want to come back? Do you want to come back? And I'm just kind of like, I want to play still. Okay. You know, <laughs> offering, offering me to fly. The guy was staying in Toronto 
and they were flying me to Montreal every weekend just for the two games. So I had a contract like that. It was pretty cool, actually. This was right before the pandemic hit. This was in 2019. Wow. And then they, they shut the lead down in, uh, in March of 2020. So that same season, they, they shut everything down. Um, and then there was no hockey for a couple of years. And now everything's just started up again. Crazy. So can you kind of take people um, kind of in, in the arena with you? So the LNAH, they're so hard to try to pronounce these things. They're known for having more of the, like the fighters in there, correct? Yeah, guys, so yeah. what is kind of like a game if someone were to come and watch it? Okay, so I is mean, it all the, just penalty minutes or what? Well, it, it, it used to be like there's the old LNAH and then there's the new LNAH. Uh, the old LNAH, it, it's only it, it's all about the amount of guys that are willing to do it on each side, the amount of tough guys on each team, right? So before, let's say pre pre 2012, okay, pre 2012 there would be five tough guys minimum on every team, hockey team in that league. The whole fourth line would all be fighters. So the center, left winger, and right winger, all fighters. Then there would be like at least one or two of the defensemen that would also be fighters. So there'd be five. So you could start a game with five straight fights, everyone on the ice, like, like not all at the same time, like, and, you know, and they're doing the ding, 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 like in the loudspeaker. And like every, and most fighters have their own songs at their home arena. Like, like my song was yeah. shipping off the boss. You guys know shipping off the Boston. That's, that was my song. That's, that's my song for my podcast too. So whenever I hear that song, I really get fired up. You know, it reminds me of, you know, like, like doing the show in the league. So, so now what they do is they, they have about two guys on each team. So you still have that action, but it's actually a pretty skilled league now and it's become pretty respectable. Right. And they kind of had to go this route because all the other leagues were. It sounds like a a mesh between WWE and the NHL. Honestly, when I first got there in 2007, I've been to this league like three different times. Right. The first time I went there, that's exactly how it was. I couldn't believe it. No, I'm serious. Like, it was like, I just, you just don't, it, it's so different from the other leagues that it takes you a couple weekends to really get used to it. Like, it's like, wow. Like, I remember being there, there being a bench clearing brawl, my second game. And I don't know if you guys ever heard of John Nasty Morasty, but it was against his team. And and I, I was so, because in that league, you, you fight twice and you're out. So I was the number one for my team. Morasti was number one for his team. So we fought once in the first period and once in the second period, and then we got kicked out. Then there was this brawl that happened in the third period, and I was in my street clothes because I I had been kicked out 10 minutes before, and I'm just like, thank God I got kicked out. I don't know what I would have done because I would have been expected to act crazy, but it was only my second game in the league, so my mentality wasn't there yet, and and I had no idea what I would have done in that brawl because I wasn't ready for it yet. It took me a couple of weekends to really get the mentality of what, what it is, guys, is unless you're like one of those guys that go to bars looking for fights, like I'm not that type of guy. Like I can count the amount of fights I've had off the ice on one hand. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I don't like the qualifications off the ice. So for a guy like me, it's more about acting. It's about 
getting into a role, getting into a character. And that's why this makes it easier for me because I'm the sheriff now, right? I can act this way. Once I get on the ice, I'm a certain way. Once I get off, unless it's with the fans, I'm not like that anymore, right? Like I'm a different guy, right? So, yeah. Yeah, it's a persona that you can adopt. Did you have anybody that was like, like a mentor to you or explained to the league or was like, Sean, think of it like this or that. Like, did you have anybody or did you just have to sort of figure it out? I mean, there was like, like I had my agent at the time that didn't want me to come to the league because I was playing for the Chicago Wolves mm-hmm. at Allstate Arena, but that's what it used to be called. I don't know what it's called now, but. Allstate um, Arena, yes. I went yeah, to concerts at that place. O'Hare Airport, right? Yep. Yeah, that's where the whole fan base is, is based. So that's how the Blackhawks and Wolves make it work. The Blackhawks yeah. got downtown and and to the east and then the wolves had the whole airport area right and yeah and um so i was playing there but i wasn't getting into the lineup they had such a strong team that year i think they ended up winning the calder cup that year and we had all these older players and they wanted me there there just wasn't really room for me and i was healthy scratch healthy scratch you know sitting in the stands every game i'm competitive like i want to play and i kept getting calls from this quebec league we're gonna give you this amount of money this amount of money it kept going up and I kept saying to my agent, look, and they're offering all this money. I really want to play. He's like, look, once you go there, you're probably not going to come back because it's like, you know, it's kind of like a different tier. And, and you know, and, but me, the competitor that I was like, you know, obviously I was, I was 28 years old. So I wanted to make some money, but I also really wanted to play. Right. So I'm, I'm a player. I want to play. So I ended up going. And when I went, it was really, really crazy. at that. So, but he was able to kind of prepare me a little bit, but it was only what he gotten through other people to answer your question like about the mentor and stuff so so you figured it out yeah my agent kind of prepared me a little bit but it wasn't enough for for the chaos (laughs) so if you could go back and play in any of the leagues that you've played in uh which one would you play in well for sure the nhl (laughs) you know what i mean i mean i mean like well okay okay no 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 I'll, i'll answer your question you're talking about like a league that i played at least a few seasons in um i love the ahl i loved Playing in Rochester, I played there four straight years. Um, it was great, great city. Met a lot of great people, um, and you know, like I, I was engaged to a girl from there. You know, sometimes things don't work out, but like you know, I was. Um, it was a great, probably the AHL. The AHL to answer your question. If not the NHL, like if, if, if the NHL, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I got a little, I got a sniff of the NHL. Like I got called up for the one regular season game, and like how it works when you're with the AHL team. Um, everybody goes to training camp, right? And if you have a good camp, you know, you, you last longer than the guys that get cut right away. And, and sometimes you get to play some preseason games. So every year I was able to play preseason. Um, so I, I, it's the same thing. It's just instead of a regular season, it's preseason. There's still 18,000 people in the stands, you know, still 75% NHL players, maybe like 25% AHL players, you know, because it's exhibition and you know, but it was great experience. I'll never forget it. And I'll remember it for the rest of my life. I want to go back to something you were saying before. I, I feel like we don't have enough time to co- like cover everything, but Sorry for the blah, blah, blah. Guys. No, 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 no. I love it. I we're, I'm just waiting to, to hear like a, a part two. Yeah. To the share podcast. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll do it on air. I commit to a part two. Okay. You girls are so awesome. You guys okay, are good. so awesome. Man. I mean, so, it's the funnest time I've ever had on a show. 
Oh, good. I, I have mm -hmm. two more questions that I, okay, I want to ask, but they're completely unrelated. So I want to okay. go back to um, what you said about your motivational speaking and when you go speak at schools and stuff. Give us the like, what is the thing that you tell them? What is their the biggest motivation you can give to them? Because whether they're kids in school or people listening to this show, we can all use a little bit of motivation in our lives or or some sort of like uplifting inspiration um, because it's, you know, life isn't easy, you know, no matter what your experience is. It's not. And, and that's such a wonderful question. And, and I think the best example that I should give is... When I was recruited for the Belfast Giants, it was to be that guy, okay? Because that part of the world, for the people that don't, that don't know, Northern Ireland, which is its own country, which is part of Great Britain, it's actually not part of the Republic of Ireland, um, has a strong history of trouble. And what it is, is it's the Protestants against the Catholics, and they've been at war for hundreds of years. It has not finished yet. The Belfast Giants is used by the British government to bring these communities together. Why? Because it's a new sport. It is colors that were chosen to be neutral. You're not allowed to bring any other jerseys or sports team apparel into the arena, only a Belfast Giants jersey or civilian clothes. There's no national anthem. It's a place where there's peace, where two people that might be at war can come sit beside each other, have a pint and enjoy a game together. And that's how you start bringing the communities together. Uh, they needed a player to do promotional appearances, motivational speeches on a weekly basis. They said at least two or three appearances a week. I said, I love it. Bring me out there. So what I would do is, and the reason why my message resonated with those kids so much, because it would be a busload of Protestant kids, a busload of Catholic kids. They'd all be sitting like, you know, beside each other. So I would say, guys, I don't look like the normal hockey player that you usually see, right? I don't. So what my message was is that if I didn't take a risk and joined a group of people that may not have had all the similarities that I do, then I would never be able to play hockey. I would never be able to be here with you guys all right now. And I wouldn't be able to do my dream. But because I was willing to take that risk, I'm able to do that. That's why we're here together, guys. You guys are all alike. You guys all love the same things. Yes, you have different religious paths, but that doesn't matter because if you guys separate, then I would never be here, right? So that's kind of how I was able to do it. And pretty much what it is, is it's like that kind of message is take a risk for your happiness. Take a risk to be, to, to be successful. And if you do take that risk, you'll be rewarded as long as, it's, as, long as it has the, the, the right values, right? So that's probably the best example that, that I could give because it's, we just freshly talked about Belfast, right? I love it. That's a great example. And that's something that people in the States and I, I would assume in Canada is like religious fighting and border and like all of this is, is a little unfamiliar, but I, yeah. I think that that's a great, um, thing because we all have our differences, you know, political, all of these other things that can really tear people apart. And even hockey teams and cheering for your hockey team can tear households apart. Um, okay. But Breezy's and my differences of the teams we cheer for and our thoughts about the game is what brings us here too, and is what allows us to have this opportunity for her and I. So I think your example is spot on. I want to ask you about marijuana and the NHL 
if you think the league should allow marijuana, like, should it be legal in the league since it's legalized in so many different states and, yeah. and things like that? Do you think it has some benefit to the players and the stress that they're under and all of that, or it should it remain as it is? Um, I think that it, it should be allowed, Rachel. And, and it, the reasons being is me having the role that I had, I had so many friends that did the same thing as me. The example that I'm using is, is, is the reason of why marijuana should be able to be used. And it's because a tough guy, let's say yeah. five years ago, because it's not so much now, he would break his hand in a fight. He would, he would have to get a surgery. He'd be prescribed painkillers. Addictive painkillers. Then he starts buying heroin because he needs that feeling and his and his body's dependent on it and opiates. And that is that then I I can't confirm it, but the boogeyman, I believe that was the case. It was uh that's uh Derek Bugard. Um there's there's a lot of guys that that happened to now. If they were able to smoke medicinal marijuana, if they were able to get their CBD, if they were able to do all of that, is that not a better option? Yes. Of course it is. So, and you have to understand, Rachel, I'll take you one step further. Canada, it's nationwide, honey. Oh, that's the right. The government sells us our weed here. That's right. On every, in every neighborhood in Canada, there's a dispensary. There's this dispensary about a two minute walk from here. Okay. And that's how you get your marijuana in Canada from the government. Okay. So you can imagine how silly it is of trouble that I got into. Right. Now, like it's, you know what I mean? Like it's completely different mindset on, on cannabis now. And, and, you know, that's not to take away anything and and what you're supposed to do and supposed to not do. And, and, you know, everybody you're supposed to follow the, the law and do the right thing. And, and you know what I mean? But, but yeah, so I, I, to answer your question through and through, the cannabis should definitely be allowed in the NHL because it would get guys to stop doing things that could really damage their lives and, and harm their careers. I agree. I agree right. with you. I, I just wanted to hear your opinion on it, having you know spent yeah. time in in the leagues and and being the sheriff and the fighter and the having to do all of that. I mean, I think there's a lot of benefit um, to it. So that's yeah. Uh, I was curious to see. Party. Guys like Darren McCarty, Riley Cote, they're big advocates. Darren McCarty's got his own companies, four-time Stanley Cup champion. He was on my show. He, he talked a lot about it. And I, I think the NHL should really uh, adapt to that. I agree. <laughs> Give us a story, like a fun, funny, ridiculous story. Like we had a girl on um, last the other week and she had 120 penalty minutes in one of her college games or a funny prank or a ridiculous fight or something that you can share um, parties. yeah 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 i got one i got one okay okay uh, now I've, i had a i had a guest on lately um his name is trevor Whiffen. He's a big time lawyer in the in the Toronto area, but he's also a sports guy. And he he hosts this big, huge conference. It's actually the biggest sports conference in Canada. And it's at this big hotel in Toronto. And and so I had him as a guest on my show. And um <clears throat> sorry. It's okay. He was my general manager when I played junior. So I was only 18 years old. And I was playing for a junior team out here. And it was a time in my life where I was very arrogant, very cocky, you know, kind of a rebel a little bit. And 
I was playing for a team that was only based like 40 minutes away from, from my hometown. So I had a vehicle at the time and I decided that I was going to bring all my friends to the game. So unfortunately, you know, we left a little bit late and to add on to that, it was extremely bad weather, lots of snow and, you know, so long story short, I definitely did not make it on time. I came now I'm with, now I'm an 18 year old guy with three of my buddies. So obviously I'm playing the role. I'm making it out. Like it's not a big deal. Meanwhile, I know I'm so much shit. Right. So I go into the, I go into the dressing room and I see that my, my Jersey's not in the stall. So like, obviously I'm like, okay, they must've scratched me. Cause I, when I got in there, they're already out for warm up. Like they were out for warm ups. but if I really wanted to, I probably could have got dressed really quick and like been there for the last couple of minutes of warm up. Right. Jersey's not in there. I'm like, okay, obviously they scratched me. So instead of doing the right thing and like going into the coach's office, and say, Hey guys, I'm here. You know, I'm sorry. I'm late snowstorm. I just left and, and went with my friends and we ended up going to the mall that was like right by the square one malls. When I played for this team in Mississauga and the arena was right by this huge mall. So we go to the mall, we're walking around, we're looking for girls, you know, we're 18. Right. And I get this phone call from Trevor Whiffin, the guy that was my guest last week. And he's like, Sean, where are you? I'm like, Trevor, you know, I I'm, I went in the dressing room. I didn't see my jersey, so I knew I wasn't playing. I'm just I'm just down the street getting a bite to eat. He's like, are you kidding me right now? He's like, listen, you, you, you mark my words. You are done here. You know what I mean? Like, I was in so much trouble. Like, you know, and I'm like, oh, Trevor, oh, no, no, no problem, buddy. I'll talk to you later. I'm just playing it off to my buddies, like, that I wasn't just, like, fired from my team. You know what I mean? So, anyway, so me and Trevor had a pretty big laugh about it. Um, you know, and he just said, you know, it's part of growing up, you know, he had to discipline me and this and that. And, you know, like, it was just funny now that I'm an adult and I'm, I'm having him as a guest on my show and he just wanted to absolutely kill me at certain times when I was a teenager. Right. So, um, that, that was just fresh in my mind. I, if I had more time, I'd be able to think of more. Well, when we have you back on, you can think of some more stories, but I think that's pretty great. I love it. You're like, let's go to the mall and pick up chicks. (laughs) What else do you do when you're 18? I don't know. That's what you do. (laughs) This is what you do. Um, So good. So tell everybody about the show. So with the Sheriff Podcast, pretty much how it came about, guys, is um, I was the guest, like how I am now, on a show called Enforcer's Corner. And it was hosted by a gentleman named Kyle Warner, who's based out of Philly. And so Kyle knew that I had mentioned in other podcasts that, you know, I wouldn't mind maybe starting my own podcast. I really like it, blah, blah, blah. So we have our show and, and, you know, we got along really well and, and whatever. And it was a good show. A couple of days later, he called me. He's like, Hey man, he's like, you know, I I heard that you wanted to start your own show. So I I, want to talk to you about that. He's like, how about we join forces I'm like the tech guy. I have the experience. You're the player. You're the character. You know, we can make it work. We'll call it the Sheriff Podcast. That's your nickname. And then boom, we just did it. And that was 67 episodes ago. We've been doing about two a week. Um, so you know, we're we've been approached by a couple sponsors. Um, we're trying to decide like what, what we want to do in that regard. Um, for me, it's like a running resume because I want to be a sports broadcaster. I, I want to be a public speaker, motivational speaker. So this is kind of like, you know, like it's, 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 it's rehearsing for all of those things. Right. Yeah. And so and I'm having a lot of fun and, and you guys know what the shows do. It brings you together with people. Um, it networks you with so many, um, you learn so much with the guests and the stories they tell and the things that they're, they're experts in that they're letting the listeners know about. Like really it's like 
one of like a little university or something like learn with all the things you learn right and um and yeah so I, i'm just having a great time and, and and i hope it continues now off the uh off the top of your head obviously you can't play favorites but do you have a favorite story or a favorite guest that you've brought on uh that well, really could um that you maybe want to share with uh with any of our followers and, and having them check that out yeah i mean i i mean i've been lucky because for some reason, um, when I reach out to people, I don't know if they if they think like that maybe I'll find them and, and beat them up if they don't come on the show or something. Or but but I'm, my batting percentage is really high. In other words, like you know what I mean. Like it's hard to get guests, but I've been really lucky. So I'm kind of like almost everyone I've reached out to has almost said yes. The biggest the biggest accomplishment I think I've had was a gentleman named Don Cherry who's very, very old. Do you, do you guys know about grapes? You, do you guys know about Don Cherry? Yeah. In We're Canada, just in well, shock. I'm sorry. We're just in shock. No, no, no. I I, 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 I know you do, but it's just, there's there, there, there's an audience in the U.S. that, that isn't that into Don like Cherry like it is, right? But you right. guys are a different case, right? Okay. So you yeah, had Don I, Cherry? I, oh, yeah, yeah. I've had Don Cherry, uh, George LaRock, Shane Corson, um, Mike Commodore. I, 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 I mean, there's been 67 shows, right? Wait so, a second. Wait a second. How did you get Don Cherry? He's over there. Because he was the owner. Your... <laughs> I'm was stuck owner. on Cherry. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was the owner of the Mississauga Ice Dogs, that same team of the story I just told about being late for the game. He was my owner then. They traded me to Kingston, which was his hometown. So he came in that day to the arena and was like, look, you know, we're trading you to my hometown. They're going to take care of you. So we kind of had a little connection when I was 17. And then I played for the Rochester Americans for four years. That was his big uh, big stay in the AHL. He played there the longest. Uh, we were both in the same book. Uh, Ken Reed's book, uh, it's called One Night Only. It's about... I used to play one game in the NHL and what that story was, if it was a disappointment, if it was a long shot like me, like whatever the case was, right? And so we have a couple of things in common. And I just I reached out to him and he said yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I Thank love you. it. I'm sorry I got so yeah. distracted. <laughs> it's like, I mean, all the other names too are incredible, but I am definitely downloading the Don Cherry yeah. episode yeah. and yeah. listening to it ASAP. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yo, oh, you'll 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 love it. You'll love it. You'll love it. There's, I have so many times. If you like tough guys and stuff, like I got so many. I think I have, I don't know, like twenty five out of the sixty are legit NHL heavyweights that I have on the show as well. So well, if that's your thing. Yeah, we'll all have to listen. Whoa. So let's jump into it. Final three, uh, and then we'll have you uh, share your Instagram handles and where everyone can follow you and listen to your podcast. Uh, so. First of the three, who is your ultimate hunk of hockey? Hunk? Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, we ask everybody, men and women hunk? have to answer oh. these. All right, right on. Hunk of hockey would have to have been Jerome Ginla. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Jerome Ginla, man. Good guy. Good Every guy. guy wanted to be like him. So he's the hunk, hunk of hockey. The hunk of hockey. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. There you go. And your favorite <laughs> hockey lady. Favorite hockey lady. Um, I would have to say Jennifer Botterill. I played with her brother. Um, she's won a couple gold medals for Canada for the women's uh, hockey team. And um, and she was at that big sports conference that I mentioned 
a little while ago as a keynote speaker. Awesome. Well, there you go. And do you have any Sidney Crosby stories? I played with a couple of guys that were on his Ramuski team in junior, right? Like I played with this one guy, his name is Jean-Michel Balzuc, and he was in that French league. And, and he, he played with Sydney when Sydney was a junior, played when he was getting like 200 points. And, you know, and he, uh, I guess he got a dollar for every ticket sold. And that arena held 5,000. So this kid was making five grand every home game. He had a deal with like CCM or they you know there's some hockey stick company. And, you know, so um, I just knew that he was very well off before he got to the NHL. That's cool. I didn't know that. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. crazy? He got, no. he got a dollar for every ticket. They gave that kid a dollar because everybody was there to see him without a doubt. Right. And yeah. I think they were 5,200 sellout. So the guy was making, you know, five racks, you know, twice a week, 10 grand a week. Jeez. Some weeks probably five because it was maybe one game. They had a couple of away games a week was, you know, some weekends he had two home games. Right, a lot of money for a seventeen-year-old, right? Sixteen-year-old, <laughs> yeah. And for him to be as uh, seemingly kind and giving as we hear through all of our stories, you know, um, that's that's pretty remarkable for somebody at that age, and and to be the person he is today. Whether you know, there's of course the fans who don't like him, but we are a fan of Sydney here on the podcast, so. You got to give credit when credit's due. Exactly. Any superstar that goes that long being squeaky clean, good guy, just like LeBron James, man. These guys get so much attention. LeBron James has never been in trouble. Sidney Crosby's never been in trouble. Other than LeBron's little backhand the other night against that Detroit Pistons guy. You guys yeah. see that? They went berserk. And, man. you know, him, like, leaving Cleveland and, you know, all those things. No, no, yeah, I know for sure, but I'm just saying, like, I like, know, I get it. A good man, though, good yes. family guy, like, never been in trouble. Same yeah. thing with Sydney, yeah. you know? Exactly. So you got to give credit where credit's due. Sydney Crosby's a good guy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, tell everybody where they can follow you on social media. So for me, um, it's it's at Sheriff McMorrow, um, and it's at the Sheriff Podcast on all platforms. Awesome. Thank you, Le Sheriff. Le Sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming over to our House of Hockey podcast and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Just look for House of Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week.